Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast. It's episode 52 and it's another defeat to talk about. Really a shocking statement for Reading Football Club this season. But there is an upside to it. We have a new manager, which we'll come on to uh, later. We'll also be talking about perception of him and how people, including Radio Berkshire, social media fans, are kind of adjusting to the idea of a Portuguese manager when maybe they wanted someone else. Also, we'll be talking about Millwall. To help me talk about it today, I've been joined by uh, Chris Scott, which is uh, off Twitter. Is your name uh, tag? Lord CSK? Yes. How are you then, Chris? I'm all right, thank you. Um, looking forward to doing this. Cool. No, I'm looking forward to having you on. Uh, Neil, how are you, Mr. Bobbins? Happy as ever. Happy as ever. Yeah. They just sounds the way you say that just sounds negative, doesn't it? It's not incredible. <laughs> it just well, sounds. What have we possibly got to talk about that would give us any kind of happiness at all? Well, Gomez says that we are a Premier League club, and that's where we he will take us. So, uh, yeah, so that should be positive. Well, let's hope so. I mean, that sounds like I'm being a bit a bit nasty straight away. And hopefully he's right. He knows stuff that Dai, Mr. Dai has told him that we don't know. So we'll see about that. We'll come on to that later. So Middlesbrough yesterday. I mean, we made four changes to the starting lineup. We saw a couple of uh, another youngster come into the team. We saw Osho come into the team. We saw Richards come back into the team. We saw... Loader come in and we saw Barrow come back in. Uh, the one player that I was surprised to see come into the team, well, look, go out of the team, was uh, John Swift. Because I thought in the match against Rotherham, he actually played OK, one of his better performances. And I don't know, what did you think when you saw the lineup, Chris? Were you kind of, did you, did you think we'd put in a decent performance or were you worried we might get a bit of a battering? Um, I think it was one of those classics that the team news comes up and you're like, oh, another four changes. Here we go again, and it's, there's no settled team. I was pleased to see, I mean, everyone knows my opinion on Chris Gunter. I was pleased to see he wasn't in the squad. Um, it was nice to see a left-back at left-back and actually have some balance, although I think he had a bit of a torrid first half, personally. But overall, the team, apart from Bulldog up front on his own, I was fairly pleased with it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it seemed... Oh, yeah, I mean, it kind of like you, like you say... I, I would, I would. I'm not uh, that keen on seeing Chris Gunter in the team at the moment. I know that really splits always splits our fan base, and like I've said before on this podcast, people either love him or hate him. I'm not either of those. I'm kind of in between, really. It, uh, Richards is kind of a player that came in, and uh, I don't know. He's still got a point to prove to me. I'm not sure him defensively, and he's a young player, so I don't go to town on him. But I think he needs to improve. He's kind of game in quite a few areas myself. But what did you think of him now? Um, I was pleasantly surprised, actually, because he seemed to have a lot more forward uh, forward intent, really. A couple of times previously, he kind of looked backwards to see where he could pass to rather than ahead of himself. Um, and he seemed to have a little bit more confidence in just laying off a ball first time and then, and then you know, chasing after it a bit and see where it went. Um, he he didn't seem to have that kind of dallying on the ball that he he did previously, which isn't isn't too bad considering it's his first game back for quite a while out injured. So, um, yeah, as Chris says, first half he was a little bit nervous, but I think most of the back four were to to start off for the first ten minutes, but they grew into it really well, and I thought Richards, you know, didn't do too bad. 
I think he yeah. improved quite a bit once Ryan Shotton went off injured. I felt like he had a bit of a torrid time yeah. against him and he was getting yeah. a bit bullied, to be honest. And then when he went off, he grew into the game because he wasn't being attacked quite as much. I felt almost felt like they were targeting him first 20 minutes. Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they were targeting him. And um, you could see that. Another young player that came into the team is obviously Gabriel Osho. And I, I think in the first 20, 25 minutes, I think he found uh, Asambalonga difficult to deal with, which I think is fair enough because he's a proven player in this uh, league and he will definitely score you some goals. But I thought he came into the game really well from that point onwards. There was one chance where Asambalonga had uh, got past him, but he managed to get back and make the block. So that's a good thing. Who's got a dog there? That's me. I'm sorry. That's... That's okay, we'll carry on. It's I think fine. someone knocked on the door, I'm sorry. That's okay, we'll carry on. And um, I've never had a dog on the podcast before, so it's a first, isn't it? First time for everything, sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's his opinion on uh, Osho. He was just getting excited, wasn't he? <laughs> kind of... Now, I thought he grew into it, and some of his runs through from the, our defence into the Middlesbrough half were really impressive. What did you think of him, Chris? Do you think he had a good game? He grew into it, like you said. First half, there was one where he completely miscontrolled it and he sort of dilly-dallied a bit on the ball, but he grew into it. And that's one in the second half. That was like, um, I don't know, Rio Ferdinand-esque, wasn't it? The way he was. run three-quarters of the field oh, yeah. and just took it off. He was going to have a pop at the end, but he didn't. But I thought he played... Because in his first game, I thought he played really well. Because yeah, he was like a £15 million striker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not playing against someone from, uh, I don't know, just off the top of my head, a whole striker like Chris Martin, who doesn't move, really. It's so long it does move, and he's got a real presence, and he still knows where the goal is. So I kind of, yeah, I think he did more than okay. Yeah, let's not kind of build him up too much to be this world beater. I think he's had one decent game, so let's not get too overexcited for them. But I did like the moment in the first half. When he flipped the ball over and not a uh, yeah, Middlesbrough player's head, I thought uh, that's he's got confidence. Yeah. He's got something about him, and as you were saying, Chris, sometimes I think that he kind of was a bit too confident on the ball. <laughs> he kind of yeah. didn't quite. He's getting to the pace, though. I think that's the thing. But we'll see. He's he's got it's an opportunity. Another good young player coming in. So in the first half, I thought it was fairly even. I, I kind of we had the early chance from Sam Bulldog which I kind of was expecting a goal there because that's the kind of chance he normally scores. But I'd, I thought we looked quite good in that first half compared to where we've played recently. Let's not say I, I thought we looked, suddenly looked like a top six team or anything. But there was hope. At half-time, you thought, I thought to myself, well, we've kind of got, I've got a plan. We've shown some intelligence here. And Middlesbrough hardly had a shot at our goal. I mean, Chicola, that's got to be one of the quietest afternoons he's had playing for Reading this season. Because normally he's been bombarded. I mean, he still didn't fill me much with confidence, though. No, but the crosses he did quite well on, though. Yeah. Did did anyone else notice in the first half he kept targeting his goal clearances to Josh Sims? Yes. Yes, I did notice that. (laughs) It's like, come on. Use your brain a little bit, man. Come on. Yeah. And Josh Sims actually did one or two, did win one or two of the headers, which is quite amazing because he must have been the smallest player on the pitch yeah. by a foot. Yeah. Easy. So, yeah. No, it's, it's a kind of, yeah, Jacol, I think, is, he's no one near him for number one at the moment. But obviously, with a new manager coming in, who knows what's going to happen. What did you make of the first half now? Oh, it's a tricky one, really. Um, it's how we, we had enough possession that you kind of think we would 
would create a bit. But when you look at Middlesbrough's back four, who seem to have an average height of about eight foot six, and with Baldock up front on his own, um, you, you kind of wondered how we were going to sustain any attacks and how we were going to mix them up enough to really threaten. And as you say, apart from Baldock's chance he had early on, we had enough enough possession but not enough bite and nothing about us would you think that we were going to get anything from set pieces I mean I think Blackett was probably the tallest player we had at set pieces and I don't think he's ever really shone in that department um, so yeah, we tried really hard but I, there was no way I thought we were going to get through um, we tried some cute balls through in and around the defence but nothing really came off Barrow had a good few chances to take on defenders, but they doubled up on him really quickly, uh, you know, and he faded out of the game um, in the second. But um, I would have thought if we were going to win the game, we needed to score that, that chance from Baldock and probably one other, I think. And when we didn't get it and we went in nil-nil, we all know what happens in the second halves. Yeah. Uh, talking about Sam Border, I saw an interview with him after the match and he said it was fine margins that cost us the game. Oh, <laughs> he said fine margins. And we all That's know Mr. Clement is still with us. He's still here. His presence is still being felt. So moving into the second half, one criticism I would have of Marshall was his management of the tactics and substitutions in the second half. In the first half, he was good. And at Rotherham, he was, he was better as well. But in that second half, I thought that we missed an opportunity. What did you think of that, Chris? Well, I sat there, obviously, Upper West eating my salmon sandwiches and watched Bod Fardson warm up for about 25 minutes. Yeah. The bloke yeah. was knackered before he even came on in the 86th minute. I, yeah. That game was crying out for him at half time. Totally. Because Bulldog can't play that lone striker role, can he? I mean, when, like you said, eight foot six centre halves, I mean, he was having no chance. We, I mean, we desperately missed Maite in that type game yesterday because he's got that physical presence up top. But I don't know. 86th minute made no sense. You might as well have not bothered. I mean, I didn't see why. And if he wasn't fit enough to come on until the 86th minute, should he be on the bench? No, no, I agree. Him and McCleary, why was Sims still on the pitch? I mean, it wasn't that Sims wasn't trying, but he clearly ran out of energy. And he wasn't yeah. going anywhere, was he, really? That wasn't a criticism of him, because lots of the players were hit that wall. But you just, oh, no, that, that was hesitation, and that was Clementesque for me. Just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then when you finally make the substitution, it's just too late. But yeah, I kind of... I hope that the numerical manager that comes in is one of the key factors has to be game management. It's all well and good setting up the team, but you've got to be able to deal with situations as they change. And that's something that we badly need. And I know that George has talked about this as well. It just needs to, we need that new manager to have the ability to see a game and make preemptive changes that affect the game in a positive way for us. Because I'm not getting that from this bloke at all, from Marshall yesterday which is a bit of a shame because hey, it was a missed opportunity. I think we could have done something there, but there we go. I mean, you can't really give Bod Varson five minutes because what's he going to do in it? Uh, nothing at all. And by that point, we were losing. If we brought him on with, on the 70th minute and you were brought on Swift as well, because I thought Loder did okay, but he's not. Swift is better in that position. It's one of those things for me that, I don't know, under Stam, Clement and even under Marshall, his short spell, it's always reactive substitution. It's not proactive. They're always like, 
oh shit, we're losing. We need to quickly change it up so that we can get back into it. Rather than thinking, how can we win this? He could help bring him on. And it's it's just a bit Sunday league, I find. It's not really... No, you're just waiting. You, Because yeah. as fans, we can all see there what, what could be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And also, you kind of like think, well, we've got to just try something different. Because everything else hasn't worked. We've tried loads of just waiting and waiting and waiting and holding on for results. And that doesn't work. We're not good enough to defend, as we showed with the goal. I mean... I'm not sure who we blame for that. I've seen lots of people saying that Omar Richards was to blame or Tyler, not Tyler Blackett, or Mo Barra was to blame. But where's the midfield runner that's tracking McNair? What do you think on that now? Where did he go? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much opposite me. And you could see that um, there was two men around the ball, uh, around the play with the ball that eventually got um, got passed through. Um, But you could just see it open up that, Friend was pretty much free going into the box, as he had been a few times into the second half. I mean, I could understand not paying too much attention because he's not a forward, but the gaps just seem to appear, and there's that lack of concentration that we always seem to have a couple of moments in, in any game where we'll either concede or we'll, we'll have a close scare, but you could just see it open up. And uh, you know, as you say, there could be many points of failure in that one. Um but yeah, the, the the ball went across, and there was just you know a sea of bodies, and and friend was just there to knock it in from six yards. But yeah, I mean Barrow's been mentioned, Omar's been mentioned, the midfield runners as well. I think probably ran out of steam a bit. Bakuna run around quite a hell of a lot. Minamoto um, as well, his, his his energy levels are, are awesome. But I don't know who you can really point a finger at. Really, it was just a, a bad team effort. Um, for us to concede that one and after that, you know, heads drop as they usually do. Yeah, I mean, you've also got to bring in Yadam on the right-hand side as well. His friend get in there. I mean, I looked yeah. back at the video and you, it's a multitude of kind of small mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a kind of typical goal for us to concede. And yeah, it's just, it's a, I thought it was deflating because I didn't think we deserved to lose that match. We didn't deserve to win. But a draw would have been a fair result. And you'd come away with a little bit of positivity. I mean, you're not expecting this team to suddenly turn into some uh, amazing passing football with goals and never letting them in. That's not going to happen overnight, even with the new manager, unless Keir Jarachan goes completely crazy and uh, <laughs> feeds the club with some insane blood. But I can't see that. I mean, what was your mood after the match, Chris? Was it negative, positive, or kind of... Um... It's one of those weird ones, isn't it? I mean, we've walked away from so many games thinking, oh, we were lucky to only lose 2-0 today, when normally you yeah. think 4-5-6, and everyone talk, and they talked about these fine margins crap. And, but none of it was true, was it? I mean, yeah. it's never been fine margins this season. It's the most overly used word ever. But the main issue yesterday was you just never felt like they were going to score. Bulldog was so isolated yeah. that I couldn't see where we were scoring. So that's what I left kind of thinking. A draw was a fair result. But you always knew as the game went on, we were going to lose. Yeah, we were going to make some catastrophic error, weren't we? Yeah, exactly. We were waiting for it. Because as people have pointed out as well um, on the uh, Twitter site, we seem to lack fitness. Towards the end of matches, we just seem to fade away. And from about 70th minute onwards, I I don't know what it is. Is it mental fatigue? Is it physical fatigue? I don't know what it is. Is it a combination of both? Is it the fear of losing? Because we've lost so many games. I don't know, but watching us the other day, yesterday, Chris, I, I just could see it again. The team was just flatlining. I almost feel like this has been a huge issue at Reading ever since John Fern left. 
because yeah. fitness f- falls into the same category as injuries. And the amount of injuries we have collectively for what three seasons now, and like likes of John Swift, how can a lad his age in his shape not be able to last ninety minutes? No, I mean, there's I, a couple I of times yesterday when he came on, the players just swan past him like he'd been on the entire game. He'd only been on the pitch two minutes, and mm. you see him. Well, obviously I sit on the west. You see a lot, so many of those little energy satchels getting thrown out to our players all the time. But I never see any opposite away teams ever taking them on board. No, well, I've got to say, they need more of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. But I do they think, need to I think in the bucket. <laughs> fitness is a huge issue, I think, for this squad. And I think that's partly down to players' mentality. Yeah, mentality. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think a lot of our players like it when it's going well. But aren't so good when they have to actually uh, get in the kind of proverbial trenches and actually do the dirty work. They do it for a little bit, but they won't follow it all the way through the match. As we saw with the goal, whoever was not tracking McNair to put that pass in for friend, th- that's cost us the game. Whichever way you look at it, I don't know who that is. You pinpoint it on one player, but it's one of those players on the top. That much space. Is it's not really that's not that's not defending, is it? It's not acceptable, really. <laughs> you know, and we've seen it multiple times, and we've got away with it quite a lot of times against teams. But eventually, we get going to get caught out against Middlesbrough because they just know how to win. I know they haven't had a great winning run, but you look where they are in the table; it's so much harder. I mean, they're fourth now, aren't they? I think. So, would yeah. you take Pulis as your manager to be fourth in the league? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he got a lot of slack yesterday, didn't he? For his, they just—it's just gamesmanship, isn't it? They were feigning injury, and I mean, I was watching him. He was like a dog on heat on the touchline. He just like stop. He just—he must, as a player, that type of manager must do your head in. He just—he is. He, well, he's a club shop, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he does not stop. He does not stop. And the way you're right, just the gamesmanship. When we got the ball and we were counter-attacking after they just had a corner, more than once a player went down with a head injury from Middlesbrough. There's nothing wrong with them. He's just trying to stop us counter and all these. I mean, I know it's football and I understand how that works. But you think watching that every week. I mean, Middlesbrough have come to the Medeski Stadium and had about two shots. I mean, as an outsider, you'd say you'd have to be pretty bad to have only two shots against us at the moment because we can't really defend on general. So what are they going to be like against the good teams? Uh, yeah, Neil, Neil, so Neil's guess... a fan of Pulis, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> He's a fellow Welshman. Neil. Yeah, he's a fellow Welshman. <laughs> it's a disgrace, really. But <laughs> you, you look at the Middlesbrough side and you think, there's just nothing in there that you think would really hurt us, apart from the fact ourselves. The, the, I so read something... Just a good player. Well, yeah, but, you know, creatively on their side, it's like... They are just identical midfielders. They were just totally interchangeable with each other. I think Savile was probably their best player for me, but just for his energy more than anything else. But there was nothing there that normally you think would would kind of kind of hurt a championship side. But a team as fragile as ours, then yeah, you're going to get something eventually, and they did. Yeah, well, Paddy McNair who set up the goal. Loves playing at Redden, and he scored an absolute yeah, screamer for Sunderland. Yes. Yeah, last season, and he set up the um, kind of winner yesterday. Yeah, so yeah, he seemed to be doing a northeast tour. He's done Sunderland, Middlesbrough. It's got to be Newcastle next, doesn't it? (laughs) The glamorous place he's come from. So, quite soon after the match, we had the announcement that Jose Gomez will now be our manager. That must have been really shocking news for both of you. That we just plucked this name out of nowhere. 
That None was, of us um, would have predicted that he would be the next manager. What was your reaction to him being manager, Chris? Um, well, first of all, they planned that announcement on purpose to cover a loss if they did lose. That much okay. was obvious, wasn't it? Come on. Um, I don't know, I'm not sceptical. I know on Twitter there's been quite a backlash about his CV and shouldn't have a manager that's had that many clubs in that many years. But And had and like the, our friend Tim Della, who I think we'll come on to later, um, makes out that he doesn't know English football, which is nonsense really, isn't it? When you think about the manager's... I think I, I had a look. Javi, is it Javi? Javi Garcia for Watford. They're seventh in the Premier League and he's had 11 different jobs in 13 years. Yeah. So point. when yeah. you look at that and you read his Wikipedia page, which everyone seems to love doing nowadays, that it's the end of the world if he's had numerous jobs. But I don't see the issue. If he comes in, the fact of the matter is, can it get any more worse as a Reading fan? Really? Not really, yeah. because I think a lot of us are thinking we're going to get relegated anyway. Exactly. So <laughs> the owners clearly had the route. They wanted to go down the Portuguese route with that. Louis Castro previously, they wanted him, didn't get him. Now they've gone on to this chap. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm happy to give him a go. Can't I, Anything I would have had over Phil Parkinson, because that would have been a terrible move for me personally. No, but, no, I agree. I, I, I did want Parkinson as well. For multitude of reasons, which is, you know, go into it all now. We've gone through that bit. Yes. But yeah, I agree. This is a good point about the Watford manager. If you've had multiple jobs, does that does not mean that automatically you're a bad manager? Because would we take seventh in the Premier League? I think we probably would, you know, speaking for you both. We're probably no, just maybe. that. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not like for like, but it is an example that it clearly isn't a guaranteed way of saying, oh, it's going to be terrible. I, I have reservations about it because I don't know anything about him. So I can't say yes or no. So I think that's fair enough. And pe people can have that viewpoint. I think also if you're going to say that, oh, I think it's amazing, it's brilliant, it's really exciting, I, I, I want to know what that's based on. <laughs> that's fine if you've seen him, but I'm not... The same as David Wagner for Huddersfield. Who had heard of him before they appointed him? No, no, nobody. nobody. And no. We'd, well, I know maybe not in the Premier League right now, but we David would tell what they've done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know Bielsa's a big name at Leeds, but he's still using interpreter. He was this afternoon before the game. Yeah. That's, that's apparently a huge deal. And this chap came in and probably speaks better English than I do there, Gomez. So, well, I do want to say, Chris, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'd, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I think a change, because I think Sam was saying that as well on the podcast, just a change, just something different, a diff totally different angle. It's not just another kind of journeyman English British manager who's going to come in and take over because a lot of people didn't want to have someone like Steve Bruce because they think oh he's kind of past it and I don't know I mean I move on to different managers but Gomez I, I liked his interview I liked his interview I like the way he came across I thought his English is absolutely fine you know he's going to get better at that and I think he's clearly put a lot of work in already he's saying about looking on uh, why scouting he's uh, you know he's getting he's his job now but I think if you've got someone who comes across as a manager, a good personality straight away, that's going to come across to the players as well. He had to transmit that with his ideas of how to play in tactics. But I, I felt more slightly more optimistic after hearing him speak. Because sometimes you hear someone and you think, no, that's that's flat. That's not good. Well, that was a bit like Paul Clement, wasn't it? He, was yeah. a bit, he sounded a bit one-dimensional. But I also like the fact that the club have allowed him to bring a small army with him. Yes, yeah, all of his coaches. A new physio, a coach, a fitness coach. Because I also think 
behind the scenes, I'm not sure Dave Beston's been a great success at Reading because that was the one strong point we always had goalkeepers. And then yes. nowadays we have no idea who our number one is. No, so no, it can like, match, yes. So I just yeah. think it's, they've literally wiped the slate clean now with Nani gone, Gawley gone, Clement gone, backroom team gone. Just we kind of need to forget the last 18 months, as painful as it's been, I and wish hope did, that Chris. somehow it's going to improve. <laughs> so what did you take from it, Neil? Are you feeling positive? How are you feeling about it? Well, as Chris just said, really, it's um, what we wanted. Uh, I think I don't want to speak collectively for everyone as, as I can't, but what we wanted was change because we could clearly see that the last few seasons we've been playing in a certain direction with the same people calling the shots with largely a squad that remained static and didn't really develop that well. Um, so to the owners, to their credit, have said, we'll just change the lot. We'll just go in a completely different direction. And that's what, by and large, people were crying out for. So we can only really judge Gomez and his team on what he's going to do in the upcoming games. Um, it is going to take him a good month to probably bed in and, and assess what we've got, um, whether they're going to have any scope to, to bring players in, uh, whether any of that is Jurabchian's doing or uh, or otherwise uh, remains to be seen. But Gomez was certainly talking about using the under-23s um, as a gateway into the squad, but obviously we do have to dwindle some of the numbers down of underachieving first-team players that... Uh, frankly a bit stealing a wage lately um, i think i saw he was saying that i saw some quotes this morning he'd like a squad of 16 first team players and then complemented yeah. by six under 23s but currently we've got a squad of about 926 so i'm not sure <laughs> yeah, how they seem to be talking how easily that we're going to get rid of players in january now yeah, who's yeah. going to be banging on reading's door to take these players off their three four year contracts on x amount a week they've done That's nothing always... to warrant getting a move so how I if our owners are prepared to take big hits? Because if you look at how much they've had to spend to get this person here, Jose Gomez, that's not cheap. Uh, I'm beginning to think that they might be prepared to take big hits on people like Aluko. Get them out, oh, change where them out. Is he? I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. He's the new Dave Edwards. We now know that Dave Edwards is actually still with us. <laughs> he was actually on the bench yesterday. And when you talk about options, you think you don't want to bring on Dave Edwards yesterday. No. You know, I know he might be a nice player and he might be a professional. He'd be gone in January. For us. Really. But that's that's uh, you know, amongst many problems that we've got. We've got no game changes, have we? We haven't got well, we any. We brought on Swift yesterday. If he's not, oh um, yeah, but he's yeah. not a player that's been in any kind of form. Um, no, and that's true. But he played better last week. Frustrated, as, as Chris said, though. You know, you can't bring him on and think, oh, he's just going to ghost past two de defenders, lay off a, a you know a cute ball to uh, Baldock or Bradvarsen or McCleary, whoever, and you can see us winning a game through there. But you know, when Swift comes on, he looks as if he's been on the field sixty minutes <laughs> before he's actually touched the ball. So. Yeah. Is a whole multitude of things like, you know, has goalkeeping been good enough for in, in training? Has fitness been, been an issue that we, you know, the players are plateauing because they they've been doing the same old routines and there are historical problems there. You know, all of that backroom stuff has it ever been good enough? I mean, there's a lot of you know outcry saying, oh, you know, why are we getting rid of these people? It's like, well, we, we don't know what these people are like as coaches. Are they actually any good? We don't know. So we have to give Gomez his 
his due that he trusts his team and they're all willing to come over with him for this new project. And we just have to see how it goes. There's nothing to 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 lose as such because we were probably going in one direction anyway, which is the same trajectory as we've been on for the last 18 months. So we might as well give it a shot. I think Clement hinted early doors when he came in about fitness issues at the club, mm. but it never improved under him. So, no, I think all then that's where I think it goes back to a player's mentality, where I just don't yeah. think they give a shit, this team. I've got to be honest. I just don't yeah. think they do. No, well, I mean, the results don't do anything to disprove you, do you? No. <laughs> Not really. No, 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 I think there's so many players in there. Sorry? Five home wins in 2018. Yeah, I know. It's so depressing. And like we've said before, it's not undeserved as well, that record. No. You don't look at many games. Maybe that's one yesterday and maybe the Derby match when you think maybe we should have got something out of that match. But there's very few. Most of them, like you said, Chris, earlier, you go home thinking we actually were a bit lucky there to only lose two now. <laughs> kind of. And that is not the only time we really collapsed was the Ipswich match. And oh, that was an absolute oh there's some some amazing moments <laughs> <in that match. laughs> some amazing moment. wow, bring, bring in that festive back, cheer jeez <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what yeah, it's, the worst it's, moment of the season the worst it's the, moment. La- it's the last thing left now isn't it you know we, we have changed everything above apart from the owners themselves when even yeah. they count that um so the the remaining thing is is the players, isn't it? And if if the owners are prepared to cover their losses on, on certain wages that they think really aren't justifiable anymore, then they could be gone. But as Chris says, and, and you know, many people have, have said on Twitter that you know these players need to go. You got to have buyers for them, or, or people that you know are going to take the whole wage if they're going to go on a six month loan. It's however many we can get off the books versus how many we can then afford to get in and then you know the owners might just say well for six months we're just going to go absolutely mental on it and see who we get in on expensive loans to to get us out of this hole maybe Gomez has has given some idea of the players that he wants um he didn't seem to allude to that in his interviews that he's given so far um I don't believe that he's turned up being told he has no budget Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Not a chance. No, he's yeah. not uprooting himself from a pretty cushy job, by the sounds of it, that he had to come here and be told he has zero money to spend. No, I don't, no. I don't believe Well, that. if you look at his alleged wage, it's quite nice. <laughs> quite nice. If you're reportedly on £75,000 a week. <laughs> that's just mad. I can't believe that. I can't no, believe that's that. That's but who knows? Who knows? But even if he's on half of that. That's a massive wage for a manager in the championship. Because you, you'd, you'd think that we could attract Jokanovic if that kind of money was being thrown about, wouldn't you? Yes. Not... Yeah, you probably would, yes. Yeah, you know, not even him specifically, but the, the likes but maybe of... Maybe he didn't want to work with Keir Jarocham, though. Well, absolutely. There's, there's, mm. there's all sorts of reasons for this type of money being thrown around, isn't it? Does it exist? Is it is it just spin? Is it just trying to make us look attractive? Um, who knows? But he's here now. Whatever he earns, then we hope it's it's going to be reflected on the field and results go our way. And if they do, then he's worth every penny, isn't he? I mean, yeah, I hope he's a bit of a success because I'm one of the few that actually feels a bit sorry for our owners. I feel like they got led down the garden path by Ron Gawley 
They've right. pumped. Yeah. They've pumped. You think how much money they've pumped in compared to what was it the ties previously? The Russian and even Medeski to a certain extent. We were pretty frugal under Medeski. Oh God, I used one of his words. God, that's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but we were we were quite a tight club, weren't we, under Medeski? He did build was, a stadium, though, Chris. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he well. <laughs> but I, I would quite like them to get a bit of return because I feel like considering they aren't associated to us at all no really are they I feel like they've pumped no, not at all. a lot of money into us and have had zero return well you look at the training ground that's something that they can't sell that's something that's going to be there so that is a real sign of a, an owner that wants to be for a, a longer term in my opinion you, you don't build a training ground if you're not going to stick around there's no point because right. you know you can sell other players and make profits and then disappear we've seen that with people like Zingarevich he just disappeared and just didn't even bother taking the keys, did he? Yeah, that was bad. He took his money. Yeah, exactly. He never had any money. That was the problem. Yeah, about as much money as me, which is scary. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but perception of Gomez, I think, is important going forward because I asked on the uh, Twitter account, "Are you kind of happy, unhappy, worried?" I think forty-eight percent last time I looked at it were worried about the appointment. Now they were talking about this on social media. Obviously, that's a big thing to get fans at the game, but also on Radio Berkshire they were talking about this. Now I didn't huh. hear any of this conversation, so uh, I'll leave it to you two, Chris. What was what were the what was the kind of tone that Tim Deller was giving over in this interview or not interview? kind of his thoughts on this new well, I listened I turned it on at 1 p.m because I knew what they'd be talking about I knew the main topic would obviously be the manager because obviously Charles Watts had broken it in the morning hadn't he that he had signed a contract and first 15 minutes of the show between Tim and eight they were caning him already and he hadn't even been announced as manager and it just felt like a spit like I felt like the Reading Chronicle had a bit of an agenda towards Phil Parkinson and I think BBC Berkshire to a certain extent did but he was never fully, fully in the running. I just think that his name was getting put out there. And they were just, we can't have him in. His CV's terrible. He's Portuguese. He doesn't know the English league. He's just coming here for a payday. And it's just, he hasn't even signed, like, the ink wasn't dry on his contract. And they were absolutely nailing him. Mm. And, you know, I just couldn't believe it. And I, and then after the game, Tim was going in, I'm, I'm going to nail him about Millwall. He doesn't know anything about Millwall. And then you listen to the interview it's like he was his best mate. Getting him he was getting him tickets for Ascot. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, Tim Deller, he's a passionate bloke. And I think his heart's in the right place. But some of the stuff he comes out with is nonsense, to be honest. And I just feel like he's a bit two-faced. Give the bloke a chance. That's my yeah. opinion. No, I think that's, I definitely, I mean, I think we all think we're going to give him a chance. I mean, I think Tim Deller's commentary is excellent. I think he's excellent on that. Um, and he is a top... He's, he's on lots of things on the BBC now. He does multiple sports, doesn't he? He does all the rowing and all these different things. Not that I'm big in rowing, but I know that. And um, uh, so he's got his niche. And But he just winds me up with the game. He decides to go for people. The worst one was uh, Vidra. When he, what, what was it? He and Atkins. Along, yeah, and Atkins. And something along the lines of, he said, if he was a dog, you'd have I'll him put him down, down. at Vidra. I mean, that's crossing a line, I think. But... Now you've backtracks heard this. on social Sorry? media. He then backtracks on social media. Yeah, well, when people call him out. Yeah, well, there we go. But Neil, what did you take of it? What was your thoughts on uh, Radio Berkshire? 
<laughs> it's such a difficult one. It's so so uh, it's so selective what you can take of it week in week out. I think I think you got one professional that almost doesn't stand up for himself enough. You've got another one that is basically that the focal point of it, but doesn't take any of them to task. And you've got Tim who has these outlandish views on someone he's never even met. And I just thought it was quite disrespectful for, you know, a guy who was coming in to be the, the, the manager of the club that we love and the, the, the manager that he's going to be commentating on. Basically saying, I don't want you here from the off. And it, it just seemed a little bit, uh, you know, it didn't sit right really. It's like, you know, you've got to give the guy a chance before he's actually done anything to really damage the club or take us into League One or anything. Even then, it wouldn't necessarily be Gomez's fault if he did. We're going there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just seemed a little bit, you know, that Tim had his set idea that he wanted Parkinson. He wanted someone who had an affinity with the club. Mm. Well, an affinity with what? That's 15 years ago when Parky was here. What's the same? Or oh, apart from, you know, the field that they play on, nothing is the same. So what is this affinity that he's after? It doesn't exist. Only in name. And, you know, the manager could be as passionate as you like about it, but it doesn't mean that the players are. You mean, you could see Clement's frustration that, you know, he wasn't getting what he demanded out of the players. So, you know, how is a former Reading legend going to do it? And I think that's what he got upset about, is the fact that he didn't have a story himself then to commentate upon and someone to get behind. And now it's someone he doesn't know, doesn't know his history, just thinks it's going to be an instant failure just because of some, you know, Wikipedia CV. And it, it just sounded as if it was a tirade for, for no reason at all. And then, as Chris says, you know, he interviews him and he's his best buddy, you know, you know or gets him tickets for Ascot and, oh, you know, you like fishing and all this kind of stuff. So, oh, uh, you just, you know, rewind, go back a few hours and listen to yourself. It's just, you know, totally uncalled for, I thought. I think the problem is, well, a few years, or quite a few years back, he had another agenda, well, not an agenda, he really didn't like Brendan Rodgers. But he was an ex. He was yeah. at the club previously, wasn't he? And he yeah, yeah, no, big link with uh, Reading, yes, huge links. Um, yes. So he's, he's kind of done it quite, apart from Yapstam, he was scared of Yapstam, so he was always oh, nice yeah. about him, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I think he does have a score for lot after the game. <laughs> they, they, they'll... Immediately after the game, they'll they'll cover a few points, and they'll all get rather animated about it. Mm-hmm. And Ad will say, "Ask him, ask him," and he go, "I will." <laughs> and then it comes to the interview, nothing happens. You know, as soon as he's not talking to that individual, he will spout off all this nonsense, and you're going to think that's a little bit disingenuous for me. I also yeah, feel no, like they are held accountable by the club. I think the club probably they work quite closely with Reading Football Club, don't they? So I don't think they can fully, fully go to town on them because they've just. You've seen it. What was it recently? The Bolton reporter got told he was never allowed to go back to the Bolton Stadium. So I guess they kind of have to be careful, but they do still say one thing and say something else to someone at their face. Yeah, then then they should make the initial comment in the first place. Then, exactly. No, no, you're right. You're totally yeah. there's a there's, like with anything. There's politics, isn't there? You have to kind of like toe the line to get the relationship going. I mean, that wasn't helped by Gourlay because he completely cut out the local press. So there is a game going on, but you're right. Adela will say something on the radio, which 
doesn't then link in with what he then says to the manager when he meets him face to face. I know there's a slightly even different the bit, tone as well, even the, yeah. the tone of the way he was saying it. I used the word aggressive, it wasn't aggressive, it was, it was passionate. I'll give him some credit for that. But then when he speaks to Gomez, he's got his journalist head on mm. and all of that feeling, even the feeling for the club, if you like, dissipates. And then he's just talking in, you know, in rudimentary questions that anybody could could ask. And I think there's that frustration as well. It's like, well, if you can be human on one hand and then journalist on the other, you, you can't you know, have it both ways. You've got to be level, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of people that love Tim Dello, though, and that genuinely is true. There's a lot of people that really like him. And like I said, commentary, he's brilliant. I think he's really good. And he is a passionate Reading fan. There's no doubt on that. He does uh, love the club. And this is why he gets so passionate about these topics. And on opinion things, we can all disagree on that. You could listen to this, you know, and say, oh, well, you're all talking rubbish, which is fair enough. Oh, a lot of people say that about me. Yes, well, yeah, they do. We <laughs> <laughs> you know your reputation, Chris. Yeah. About me as well, so don't worry about that. <laughs> it's a kind of, you just be a little bit more consistent in your kind of tone and your kind of angle that you're taking within the three hours you're on the radio. Yeah. Don't switch. I, from... I, would, I would hate to think that, you know, Gomez would listen to that um, opening tirade of Tim's before he, he signed. He, he probably never will. But if if he had that interview with him and then someone said, yeah, but listen to what he said a couple of hours ago, that would probably change his opinion of him. But now he's only got this one interview to go on from henceforth. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit unfair to you know dig the guy out when you know he hadn't even shook, shaken his hand for the first time and the ink was barely dry. No, no, I need to uh, see if I can find this interview because uh, it sounds quite, uh, not interview, kind of bit pre-match. Was it from about one yeah. o'clock? Yeah, okay. It, it well, was, no, radio Bar- BBC Berkshire, um, they tweeted it this morning. It's like a 16 minute interview. So if you go on their Twitter, yeah. page, it's on there. Okay, yeah, we'll go to there. It, it's so, very uh, similar to when he was, he, was, he was having a go at Vidra as well, just for merely breathing, I think. It was very <laughs> similar to that kind of tone. Well, Vidra, definitely someone a lot of our fans did not like. So he was not alone on that. He just went very, very strong. Uh, people said a lot worse about Vidra um, in the stands, but he was on air broadcasting. So, right. yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So then we've got the Millwall match coming up. Uh, that will be uh, Gomez's first match as manager. It is, um, as they would say in the journalistic world, a baptism of fire. <laughs> it's kind of from Portugal into the new den. That is some cultural change, isn't it? From playing is probably in Portugal's Portuguese football quite slow. This is a stereotypical idea of this and a lot of passing. Someone needs to introduce him to Jake Cooper. And uh, <laughs> so this is the man you need to stop. And if you stop Jake Cooper, you're probably going to stop a lot of Millwall. I mean, they haven't won in seven matches now. We haven't won in six. <laughs> Dr. Uh, Redding will fix that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We got two goal difference only separating us. Uh, the last time they won was on the twenty seventh of October against Birmingham, against Ipswich. Sorry, so it's a. Uh, I don't know what would we think going in. This? Would you keep the same team first of all, Chris? What would you do? Keep it the same or? Um, you'd have to take Bulldog out. Yeah, not because I just think for me he's a bloke that has to play as part of a two. He doesn't work out wide for me, and he doesn't work in the centre on his own. Um. I would bring him out. I don't know. You know, there's going to be another three or four changes because 
the new chap, I mean, he's not going to be able to have any training sessions, because we're no. playing on, what, the 26th and the 29th, the 1st and the 5th? So with recovery days in between, I mean, is he even going to be able to really have a training session with them? So they try and implement his ideas, but otherwise, eh, I mean, I was fairly happy. To, Josh Sims did little for me. He sort of run around a lot, but not much end product. So maybe Sims and Bulldog I'd bring out otherwise. Yeah. So I was fairly happy with everyone else. Probably put um, Bob Vars in the McCleary, you know, I'm assuming. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if we've got Yaku Mate back, but I mean, he's nowhere near the squad at the moment from the look of it. So I think that's unlikely. But we do suddenly bring back players from nowhere on Saturday. Omar Richards hasn't played for months. He's starting. So, I mean, <laughs> probably because you think, Bill Wolf, Neil? Do you think we're going to come out? I think we're going to, do you know what? I think we're going to win. This is, just, You've been saying that a lot recently. You said it every yeah. wrong. You keep doing it wrong. Just say we're going to lose and then we're winning. Okay, yeah, okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> we're going to lose. We're going to get hammered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gomez is going to have, you know, little or no impact on this one apart from, you know, barking some orders along the sidelines, really. Um, so it's it's going to be pretty much what we, we've just seen. Um yeah, I'd like to see Bod Barson start. I don't know if he's going to be fit enough. But with Millwall, you, you, you've got to have physicality about you. And even with the best will in the world, we haven't really got too much of that with all the fit players, let alone injured ones. So, um, yeah, it's going to be best endeavours, I think. And the way Millwall are and we are, we are it, it could go either way just as easy. Um I'd like to say we keep it tight and see if we can, we can sneak a goal, but I don't know how that's going to happen either, to be honest. No, no. I mean, the Millwall are 19th in the uh, home form table. They picked up 16 of their 19 points at home. Where are we in the away form table? Uh, don't even ask. Yeah. It must be. Bottom I think we must be, bottom bottom must be about 22nd. Basically, it's nil-nil. Yeah, well, will we take that right now? Yeah. Absolutely. We would, wouldn't we? <laughs> if you're going to go to a rival who's actually below you and you don't lose, you take that. Yeah. 100%. I, I, it won't be nil-nil, though. I, I just can't see we it. Can't clean sheets. No, and Millwall can't as well. <clears throat> so it, I just can't see that at all. Jake Cooper's got to score. He came so close to scoring against us uh, earlier in the season and Jacona made that incredible save in the first half. But no, it's just... If we get a win there, that would be a real kind of morale boost, I think. We've had half-decent performance at Rotherham, definitely played okay yesterday against Middlesbrough, and then if you go there, and I don't care if it's the luckiest away win ever, just give me a win. I don't care how it comes. Shoot but, Cooper own goal, that'd be lovely. No, oh, that would be beautiful, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Then he gets sent off. Yeah, yeah oh, oh, Neil, that is just jackpot, that is. <laughs> you did it. Merry Christmas, one and all. <laughs> So, yeah, well, if you've listened to this, thanks a lot. I uh, really appreciate it. If you could be uh, a friend of uh, friend of the show, that sounds really smooth, doesn't it? But um, if you could give us five stars on the iTunes um, kind of review, that would you'll be get, lovely. Consider you'll get a T-shirt sent to you. Yeah, yeah, you will. Very generous of you, Chris. It's uh, very <laughs> nice. It would be really good of you to do that because uh, it helps with all kinds of dull stuff and algorithms. So... Thanks a lot for listening and uh, see you next time. Cheers.